Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We're back, Jack, for another episode with the MVM Show. Glad you guys can join us for another one. We appreciate all the support. Guys, if you haven't already, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It means a lot to us and it helps us spread the word for the for the podcast. I almost said YouTube, but we also have Mid-Valley Mercenaries if you happen to look at that. But we have somebody today I think you guys are really going to enjoy. He's on YouTube as well, and every time I watch his content, I'm drooling wishing that i could be with him <laughs> pulling the trigger and that's jake from chasing green what's up man what's going on brother thanks for having me on tonight yeah glad to glad to we've been talking a little bit here and there for the last couple months and maybe trying to work something out but that last well i don't know if it's the last video you put out but that one where you and glenn were out there just kind of in a little back little pothole and some timber just got me, got my blood pumping. Yeah, I didn't want you to see that actually because it's going <laughs> to give you too high of expectations. No, <laughs> that, was, that no. was one of those rare magical days, man. You know what though? Between. You know what though, Jake? You've been saying that. that. That's like the third video you've told me that on. So I'm starting. <laughs> oh, I think you're lying to me now, man. <laughs> no, nah, man. It just we got a 60 day season, and about 45 of them are. are not like that and then mm-hmm. you get you know 10 or 15 that turn out like you won't yeah but yeah, yeah that that That's last one was a good one uh we were we were fired up that day of course it was like a five mile round trip walk so we we put in the effort for them for sure oh yeah we know about those long walks <laughs> we like long walks in the timber too man so don't be afraid <laughs> that'll, that'll be on it looks my... like <laughs> it looks like y'all been tearing the teal up pretty good 
You know, I wouldn't say we tore them up too good, but we did. We did all right. Yeah, I mean, it was duck hunting. You know, it's like to be for us to hunt in September. Yeah. Versus waiting till the end of October. You know, like our season is. It's it's a privilege. You know to. To get out and do that. Yeah, I mean, I've been getting prepared for duck season, but it doesn't feel like duck season yet. When it's 110 degrees, it doesn't feel like duck season. No. Not so, here. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, here in California, yeah. yeah. Which it's cooled down a lot. You know? It has. It has. Yeah. So Yeah, it's eat. kind of the same thing here. You're like fighting mosquitoes and cottonmouths during teal season. <laughs> that is and, one uh, thing I am glad we're not fight dealing with. And, and if you're in South Arkansas, you're fighting gators. So. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> Combo not, hunt. Not great for dogs. No, nah. yeah. that's one thing I've thought about that I would really be nervous. I think I told Thomas that we'd seen a video where this guy was sending his dog on a bird and there was a big gator swimming around. I was like, I, I just don't think I'd be sending Rocky with the big gator in that water, man. It makes you so nervous. <laughs> Heck, man, um, like two years ago, we shot a wood dog down. And I mean, it was like cold, 29 degrees. Like you wouldn't expect gators to be out. I went and got that wood duck and came back like, it was kind of like a, a cow pond type deal. We were standing on the bank, but that gator popped up like right where I walked through. He was definitely looking to check out what had just came through his area. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and no. he was like a 10 or 11 footer. You wouldn't want him latching to your leg. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, some guy, some guy on Instagram was just hitting me up and talking about coming down to shoot whistlers. In Florida, in Florida and some model ducks. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, dude, you know, maybe next year or whatever. <laughs> but then he has another picture and he sent me a picture of a uh, 12 foot gator they just got. And I was like, I'll do that too. And he's like, oh, we got plenty of them. And I was like, gosh, <laughs> it'd be so fun, but it'd be a rush, man. Tell me about oh, it. Oh, yeah, man. I've wanted to do it forever. They've just kind of started really opening it up here in Arkansas. So hopefully oh, really? in the future we'll get to do that. That would be, be awesome footage to see something like that. So, Tell us about your channel and your social media and all that stuff before we really get rolling. Well, uh, yeah, we pretty much just do straight YouTube and Instagram. We kind of got started. I think this is going to be our fourth season. And we just try to film, you know, our everyday stuff, kind of like almost like a journal type deal, just what we're doing and trying to put as much as the st- of the story as we can in there so people can learn from it. And it's just a, a cool thing to do. It definitely changes the game, though, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, that's just kind of our goal with our channel, I guess you could say, is just to fire people up for duck season and make people better hunters. So, yeah, you guys do a good job of that, too, because, uh, you know, you you're willing and Glenn's willing to put the gun down. So one of one of the other you can shoot and you actually get really good footage, you know, because I use a GoPro. But in all reality, honestly, I hate that thing. I hate wearing it. And it makes the birds look farther. And so guys like you and Elliot from Freelance and Cherry Creek Outdoors, you know, they they just use the camera. Um, Aiden does it a little bit different. He, he'll kind of throw it down once he shoots, but at least you just get the foot. And that, that's our goal this year is to uh, use my our camcorder. I've had it for like four years, and you can zoom in like 20 powers. So I really enjoy watching your content because you get that, you know, up close and personal look. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, that's definitely what we're going for. You know, we want it to be high quality above the cut, you know, and because it's just, 
you know, YouTube is just flooded with the GoPro stuff and it works, right. but, um, you know, it's just a better experience, but it, let me tell you, man, if you ever get to do that, it is super difficult to go from like hunt mine mode to film mine. Like when we're switching up like that, like, it, it, you know, the first few years I'd be trying to film, but I'd have a duck call on my other hand, you know, right. <laughs> trying, to, trying to steal hunt and you just cannot do that. Like you either got to be filming or you got to be hunting. Yeah. Uh, we, we missed a lot of shots and, um, a lot of camera shots and just mess things up mm-hmm. royally before we really got it down pat. Yeah. yeah filming is just a whole nother level of, fr- of frustration for duck. I mean, cause the biggest thing is you're in water, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> with high dollar equipment, <laughs> exactly. You drop it, you know? And like you said, all three of us, me, Thomas and Travis, we're here to duck hunt. Right. So for us just to pick a camera up and sacrifice, you know, if there's enough birds, it's one thing. We just always talk about if there's not a lot, it's kind of like, well, this one's going to stay a GoPro hunt because we got to get what we can get while we can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we were, we would do that too. We blew a lot of hunts or like a lot of hunts that could have been a show. Like if we had just kept plugging away, we would have got enough, but we'd be like, ah, it's not going to work. Let's just get what we can, you know? And, but and once you get used to it, it really starts to kind of come together and it kind of becomes its own challenge. You know, it kind of becomes part of it. Like you want to get them on camera just as much as you want to get them in the decoys and kill them. You know, it right. kind of becomes like the it new does. hunt. Yeah, it does. For <laughs> sure. So tell us, tell us some of, about some of the challenges that you faced as a public land hunter you know, what's some of the challenges you're facing out there every day of duck season? Well, uh, you know, everybody likes, especially here in Arkansas, it's one of the most densely, you know, hunted states. They like to complain about, or a lot of people, you know, talk about pressure. And we just try to take the opposite approach of that. We try not to let it bother us or even bring it into the mindset, you know. So um, just the biggest challenges over the previous years was really branching out into new ground. Like we were kind of hesitant to do that. We were hunting the places we grew up hunting and the more we expanded, just the better our hunting game got. Um, and we should have did that a long time ago. So we were, we were way too hesitant to just kind of stay in the same, same routine, same places that we've hunted our whole lives. And we should have just kept getting on new ground. Cause every time we did that, we would, you know, find just, amazing spots to add to the you know to add to the list Mm -hmm. so that was our probably our biggest challenge but you know pressure people would say pressure because there there's definitely some crazy you know pressure stories that come from arkansas but we try to try not to uh let that get us down too much Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't really affect us a whole lot like you know like you hear people talking about i can think of very few times where it was like pressure's fault that we didn't kill ducks um but mm-hmm. i guess it does happen yeah what's some of the stuff that you take with you out in the field um just and i'm talking about down to just the littlest of things like what do you what do you what do you what tools are you using to get the gear out there what gear are you using for hunting like what decoys all that stuff like when you're getting ready to go out and you're getting ready to head out into the timber to hunt, what are you taking with you? Gotcha. Well, it's changed drastically over the years. Um, we used to have a lot more electrical decoys, but um, here in Arkansas, they made it to where it's dirt string only and standard decoys, so we can't use a mojo or you know splash and stuff, anything I didn't like know that. that. 
Okay. Yeah, so that knocked all that stuff out on public land. Now you okay. can on private, but uh, on public it's dirt string only. Why so, not? Why would that be? Because there, it would seem like they would. That don't make any sense, really. Well, like it was really for the timber while they did that because people would put out like fifteen or twenty mojos in the timber, and it's just a lot different game than like doing it in open water. Hmm. Like it's just a lot more effective. Um, hmm. Because the ducks really can't see anything but that flashing down through the tree limbs. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to bring it back to kind of the old school way, which was calling. Like, kind of people could not know how to call now and go out there with 10 mojos and a lot of hundreds uh -huh. like that. Um, back in the, you know, back in the day and now, it's back to how many callers you got and how good you can call. Because in Arkansas, you know, the way you really get them in a timber is with nine or ten good callers just hammering, and you can pull ducks from like a mile away, you know, or yeah. half mile away. <laughs> but, Which proves how good ducks can hear, you know. Oh, yeah. I try to tell no people doubt. that. They want to talk loud in the blind, and, oh, ducks can't. And I'm like, dude, they can hear. you got to be quiet and hold still, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you got eight, nine, seven even guys that can really call and are really getting on it, like in the timber, it doesn't work like that really in the fields and stuff, but – you can pull ducks from a long ways, way, way further wow. than you would think. But um, anyway, back to the thing. We kind of downsized after that, um, and now we just take 12 to 15 standard decoys. We uh, use packable mallards by Dakota because yeah. they're so light. Yeah, they're good. And uh, they move, like, better than any decoy I've ever seen just because they're so light. Right. And kind of wind will push them. Right. Um, so we use that in a standard jerk string, and uh, – we really kind of just, uh, Glenn, my partner, he likes to put all his stuff in a sled and drag it. And I like the sled once we're out in the water, but I hate dragging that thing on dry ground. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, not I'm dra dragging it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was, I was assuming that you would just get right in the water as soon as you get to a park. I'm, this is, I'm just imagining this. Get to a parking lot, get your stuff, you step in the water, and you walk out there. So that's obviously not how it goes, huh? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Most of our... Uh, well, it kind of depends on where you are, but I'd say 80% is like you're walking halfway on dry ground, halfway in water. Mm. Like our father's holes, you know, we'd be walking a mile and a half on dry and a mile and a half through water. Okay. So you're dragging a sled in about a mile <laughs> just on dry ground. Yeah, and depending it's, on – so you couldn't use a like a cart or anything? Is it like real mushy ground or – No, you can't – well – we never have. I mean, technically, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to leave any equipment behind. Uh, so, so like, we couldn't, like, leave it on the bank. And then, you know, because obviously you wouldn't want to carry the wheel part through the water. Mm -hmm. And we thought about how we would want to do that if we could rig up a way. But Glenn, he's he's just a beast at dragging that sled. So <laughs> he don't ever complain, and I don't ever come up with any ways. <laughs> That's a good partner was, right there. Yeah, he is, man. Great partner. But, yeah, I like to put all my stuff in, like, a Drake backpack because I can carry 100 pounds on my back, but I just exactly. don't want to drag it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Um, we drug but, it. Just but, We only drug it, like, a mile in Nebraska. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, I would not. <laughs> We're used to using carts. I'm like, nah, I'd either – just throw it on my back if I had to. I would not drag it. But once you get out in the water, it's invaluable, especially right, yes. for filming. Right. Like, we can put all of our camera gear yeah. on it and, like, put stuff together mm -hmm. without it it would be tough um but yeah that and 
you know, that's about really, like I said, we're usually walking long distances. So we try to go as light as possible, you know, only the bare essentials and, you know, walking that far, it's always usually small spreads and just whatever, whatever you can take to make you comfortable, you know, water, food, mm-hmm. and it's pretty, it's pretty minimal. Now, now that we film, we've added an extra 30 or 40 pounds of camera right. gear. <laughs> but, yeah. So you guys but, are pretty uh, much standing up the whole day then too, because I mean, carrying a marsh seat that far and all that stuff is just more bulk and more weight. Oh yeah. Yeah. If we're in the timber, you know, you can easily find like a dead tree that's fell over and sit on it. But yeah, usually, especially when we're hunting like beaver ponds and swamp stuff. Yeah. You're standing up all day. It's, it's, and sometimes if it's short, I will take like a mojo seat, but that's pretty rare. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice. I wish I had one. <laughs> it's just <laughs> too much, you know. What uh, what calls do you guys like running? We both use Echo. Okay. Um, I started using those when I was like 13 and was hooked, man. Uh, yeah. They're the thing. A lot of people have switched those cut downs, and they sound great, but I just it's kind of a different style, and I never got into it. So which one um, do you use? I use the uh, – Echo single reed timber cocobola, um, okay. which I got super blessed because cocobola is real finicky. Like it's wood, so obviously it's like different densities in each call. Like no two calls are hardly gonna sound the same. So mm-hmm. you may blow ten, and two of them are gonna be like amazing, and then five will probably be okay, and then the rest of them are like, eh, I probably wouldn't want that one, you know. Mm. So yeah. I got I got super blessed just to get an awesome one, and I'm just hoping I never crack it or lose it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Is is that what Glenn's using too? He uses the same thing, but in acrylic. Which oh, okay. acrylic's fine. Uh, it's definitely more durable. It just it's a little sharp to me. I like that mellower wood sound. Oh yeah, I got. That's kind of like it is up? definitely a different sound for sure. Yeah. And so you guys see anything? Is it mallards only? Not that that hurts my feelings, but is there anything else every once in a while you'll see some pintails or anything work through there? Or is that more just when you're out in the rice probably, right? Well, like I said, we don't do it on film as much. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, not our last video, but the one before that, it was like we couldn't kill anything and we were just struggling. But it was like out in this marshy cypress tree, butt brush type thing. That's what we usually hunt. Mm. That's like the majority of our hunt. And out there, it is mostly mallards, but you can kill anything. You know, mm. pintails get in it, lots of teal, gadwall. Uh, but in the trees, yeah, you're pretty much going to kill straight mallards and wood ducks. Do you hunt in that more, the other stuff more because you're more successful? Like, do you have better hunts out there on, on average? For sure. And it's kind of just what I grew up hunting. So it's kind of just a special uh, place in the heart, you know, and I just like the challenge of it, man. If you, if you ever watch any of our videos doing it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a pain, man. It's knee deep mud. It, it's flooded all the time. So there is no hard ground out there. Beaver runs all through it. I mean, you'll go from knee deep to like waist deep in a single step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's challenging to hunt. And, uh, that's why I like it so much. Cause when you kill them out there, it's super rewarding and it, it is easier, man. When you're hunting a spot like that, usually the ducks are coming to like a single spot, um, a single X you could say. Mm. Whereas in the trees, they're more using like a general 20 acres. It's not really an X, you know? Uh, 
um, and that like hurt us when we first started hunting timber because we were used to hunting that other stuff. Every time they would start landing somewhere, we'd like pick up and run <laughs> over there. <laughs> well, they're going over here. Well, we got to move, you know, but what you want to do is just get where they're thickest and just stay put and you'll get, you know, you'll pull them every once in a while. That's, that's kind of the, the trick to hunt the trees. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm trying to let Thomas. I don't know if he's not saying nothing because he don't have nothing to say, or I'm just. <laughs> I don't like gaps in talking, so I'm usually just on it as soon as someone talk, stops talking. Do you, you have something you want? No, yeah. Going back to earlier, uh, I was just curious how many times you guys hear of of hunters getting tangled up with alligators. I know this was kind of towards the beginning of the podcast, but it's something I, quick I thought about. Like, do you, have you ever any of your buddies or anybody you know like? actually got tangled up with gators duck hunting i think i've heard of it happening twice and it was just like guys getting bit bit on the leg from stepping on them oh really because like they uh, don't really target people then no no man they're there's like super skittish most of the time but like in the winter you know water is usually warmer than the air temperature so like if they haven't went into you know that kind of hibernation mode and it turns real cold real quick they'll like get on the bottom mm. because it's warmer down there and oh, uh okay. try to wait it out you know so they can get get out and that's usually what happens is guys will, like step on them you know and but i've never heard of a guy like getting targeted i've heard of people shooting ducks and like gators eating their ducks before they can get to them hopefully uh, it wasn't banded <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um I can't even imagine stepping on an alligator. No. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, our first opening day last year, we went to a new spot and was scouting it the day before. And, I mean, there was like three or four gators in that one hole, and I was definitely nervous the next morning. <laughs> I think cottonmouths. Uh, yeah. Say what? Cottonmouths. That's what I'd be more afraid of than a Would you? I think that yeah, I hate snakes. Yeah, I hate snakes. Too. Yeah, cottonmouths, they will target you. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're aggressive, buddy. And they, I bet you they are you. fast on the water too, huh? Yeah, yeah, they uh, will. Uh, they're mean. Uh, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, How often are you guys seeing them? Snakes. Uh, man, it really depends on the winter. Like early, we'll we'll usually see a few during duck season. Um, it just kind and if like a big flood comes, you know, like you're hunting the trees, so snakes live all out there. And when yeah. the water comes up, like the snakes the are running the high ground, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's not, not the greatest thing uh, to walk up on one. Cause you're not really looking for them, you know, obviously when you're duck hunting out in the middle of the water, but you'll run up on them from time to time. Yeah. That would, that just gives me the will he's talking about <laughs> it, man. It's like, uh, I couldn't run fast enough, but then you don't want to turn your back on them. But I guess if you're, oh, always, yeah. I would not be letting that shotgun go for sure. I would never just set it down. <laughs> I would just be consistently <laughs> yeah, usually, carrying that Usually after November, they're kind of done with. Um, but it's unless it's been like the past two winters, which has just been terrible. This is um, probably going to be a, a, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, nah, but on, I was just going to say on a normal cold winter, it's usually not, you know, that big, big of a problem. Okay. Well, this is going to probably be a stupid question, but what are what are the gators doing in the wintertime when you said they didn't get out quick enough? Are they what where do they do they hibernate? Like yeah, they're kind of like a snake. They go into like hibernation and like in a hole kinda, somewhere or like where are they going? Yeah, they usually kind of have like a a kind of nest type thing similar to what they lay their eggs in and they usually just kind of cover up for the winter and 
and you know they won't stay hibernated all winter like a bear or anything but they'll kind of hole up anytime it's cold and if you get a warm day they will come out and grab some sun but they'll usually uh usually kind of stay in somewhat sleep mode they quit eating pretty much and just kind of survive for the most part i'm glad we don't have those things out here yeah (laughs) i would like to like to hunt one or catch one or shoot one but to hunt around it no I would not. yeah it's it's not the greatest man <laughs> they can definitely you know make you uh make you be thinking about them when you're out there that's for sure so how'd you get into duck hunting was it like your dad or was it your family friend or you know how'd you get into it well yeah um you know around where i'm from you know pretty well everybody duck hunts so it's definitely a cultural thing and my dad was super into it he was a hardcore duck hunter so i think my mom said like the first time they took me i was like two or something like Hmm. that i mean i've been going since i can remember my dad got me a duck call for my first birthday and been kind of messing around with one ever since and you know he was carrying me just yeah, every chance he got, which I'm really appreciative for because, mm-hmm. you know, I know I was messing up some hunts and mm-hmm. all that. But going from that early on was awesome. I mean, it taught me a lot. He made me wait a while before I started shooting, mm-hmm. like more than most kids. And during that time, you know, I learned more about calling ducks than I ever would have if, you know, I had just been worried about shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a good thing that he did that because I really was watching and paying attention versus like worrying about pulling the trigger, you know. Yeah. What calls did your dad used to use? Man, that was uh in the heyday of Duck Commander, so he was big on that. Really? <laughs> and, uh, mm. uh, Hay Dales, they were big around here. Huh. Um, which I called my first duck in with a Duck Commander. Uh, those original ones were some bad dudes. I wish I still had that one. Oh, was it the wood um, one? Yeah, yeah, the original wood one. It was a good call, man. It's hard to blow, but it was a good call. Hmm. Does your dad have any of those old calls laying around still? Uh, yeah, he's got a few, man. We've lost most of them through the years, um, unfortunately. He had a bunch of cool old ones, and I wish I had them now. But you know how things just disappear over time. Right, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Does he hunt much <laughs> anymore? Yeah, well, he actually passed away. Uh, oh. Sorry. A couple of years ago, but he had kind of got out of it. Um, just the public ground games kind of hard on the older guys, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, he was about it, man. Their whole group, you know, he was with a group of guys that was just real hardcore on it. I mean, they duck hunted every day, all duck season. Mm-hmm. And all public ground, you know. So That's that cool. was kind of what I was harping back to earlier. What hurt us is I was hunting all these spots that they taught me. And, like, mm-hmm. it took me a while to, like, branch out because I was just kind of hunting history, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And because uh, they had pretty much spent 30 years learning everything, and then they taught it to us. So mm-hmm. that was a, a big-time help for sure. Yeah, that was tough for us. So we, we started uh, – we've always hunted around here, and I always just went where Travis went because he's the one that got me into duck hunting and – it was really, you know, the spots to go and you're comfortable with them and yeah. you just don't really want to do something else. And then, you know, a couple years ago, me and Talon had left and said, let's go up, you know, go up north. Let's, or let's just go somewhere we haven't been and let's try something out. And just it kind of opened our minds to how many things were out there. And then we just started going out of state. So it's been kind of a roller coaster the last couple of years of different states, different areas. 
and you know there's times that you pay the price for going somewhere you don't know nothing about but how are you going to get any more places to go and any more experiences opportunities if you don't make those sacrifices you know i hunted the same refuge for what 20 something 15 20 years 20 years the same refuge i never branched out (laughs) but i had never killed a drake pintail at that refuge that i hunted not that they weren't there i just never got one and I had a buddy that's like, hey, you should try this refuge. And I uh, went over there. And the first day there, I killed a Drake Pintail. So it was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that branching out, man, it's it's awesome once you get used to it. But like like you were saying, Titus, it's just like it's hurt us a few times in mm-hmm. our past videos because, like, we were on them enough to kill them. But because we had never hunted there, we would do things a little not right. Mm-hmm. And it would like keep us from really getting them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we would really need to be fifty yards over or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And this stuff you learn from hunting a place several times. Um, but it's it's really addictive though. Once you get used to it, you kind of start liking that adventure part of it. Mm-hmm. Like finding new places, finding new ducks. It's just it becomes you know super addicting. And I got thousands of places on my bucket list I'd like to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. um, so on but a, we were the same way. We hunted like the same refuge for like 15 or 20 years. And, you know, I was the same two or three before we ever really started branching out, which they were always good. You know, we did good there. But when it was slow and no ducks there, we were just out of luck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about branching out and learning, oh, you need to be 50 yards over this or that. I was just going to ask like on an average day, um, you know, is it basically morning flight? And if you kind of mess up in the morning, that's kind of it. Or is it steady throughout the day or a morning and evening type of deal on, on normal hunt days? Yeah. Here in Arkansas, you have to be off pretty well all pellet ground by 12. Or you got to be done hunting by 12 and off by one. Gotcha. But any time through that, I mean, it can be great. I mean, we've had a lot of mornings, especially – in years past, not so much in the past couple, but you know, we've had days where we wouldn't fire a shot until nine o'clock. And then from like nine to 10 kill the limit, the light switch just turns on, you know, a lot of times they'll come out out of the rice fields and stuff from feeding. And now they're coming to loaf in the trees or wherever you are. And you know, it'll just be like a, you know, if you had left early, you would have never got in on it. (laughs) So, and I like killing them late. That's my favorite time. I like it when the sun's up and on them. I mean, I don't like those. I mean, I'll take it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't <laughs> like those 15 minute hunts where you no. just slaughter them early. Those are always like the least memorable. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's dark. It's over fast. And it's just, yeah. I mean, if you've been in a dry spell, sure. You know, but if that, that's, I'd rather do, like you said, a little bit later, you got the light, you got, you know, time, it makes the hunt better i think oh yeah way better but yeah and like the rice fields and stuff we hunt and the places we are able to hunt later i mean you can get some good especially on migration days some good flights at like 2 30 that's another like prime time that we've mm-hmm. found um mm-hmm. it's kind of like the light switch to turn on then too so you've done your share of packing out in the dark coming out in the dark after a hunt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've, we've stayed all day, you know, get there before daylight and come out. After yeah. dark. <laughs> I think a lot of people that don't know that haven't grown up in duck hunting that are older, I think they always think of duck hunting as an early morning sport 
once it's over, you're done. You go home. But I mean, because people, a lot of people comment like, yeah, man, you guys did good for the afternoon. Oh, you did good. And it's like, we hunt both. And, you know, Travis has become a big advocate for afternoon hunts just because you don't really fight the afternoon or the morning crowds like you do in the afternoon. So we've had awesome, awesome hunts in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, that's the same thing here. I mean, like our public grounds would be like super crowded until 830 and then boats are cranking up and everybody's leaving. Like if there's somebody there after 830, they're banging. (laughs) Really? That's the the only time, you know, like I'd say 75% of the hunters roll out and then it's kind of the the OG. Is it the college football or what is it? I don't know, man. I think it's just like what y'all are saying you know it's like people think that it's either gonna go down early or not at all and that's just not the case i don't know what it is that's weird uh, we, we like it i mean you know oh, yeah. because once everybody gets out of there it's a lot better so mm. i mean there's no doubt though i mean we've had spots especially private spots that you're not gonna see a duck there until after lunch i mean mm. no matter what day it is so if you if you never hunted there in the afternoon, you'd never know that. You would just go to scout it and see a bunch on it. <laughs> and you'd be like, well, I guess I don't know when they're getting there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we like that late morning and afternoon stuff. It's it's fun. Now, is, is a boat something you guys could use? And um, obviously, you know, it's something that's not cheap. But is that something you could use? Or you, do you prefer doing it the way you're doing it now? Just out of curiosity. Oh, we would prefer a boat. We're just super broke. <laughs> but, but the boats are definitely the way to go. I mean, yeah. most places, it's really challenging to hunt Arkansas without one. Yeah. We've just been doing it so long. We found good ways to get around it. But by far, the the majority of the hunting here is done by boat. Um, you can do a lot more, especially a mud motor. Um, you can do a lot more with those. And that's what I thought, but when you started talking about how you're walking a mile and a half on the dry ground and then a mile and a half in the water, then I'm thinking, how how in the world can a boat benefit? Because I'm thinking, like I said, I'm always thinking boats in Arkansas. But if it's like that, then... Well, see, if you are walking, that's what you got to do to be successful. You got to go where a boat can't get. And like, you know, you got to get further than anybody else is going to go most of the time. And that's kind of why we have to walk that far there's very few short walk-ins that are that are good there are some don't get me wrong but you know in a lot of places you can get to you know walking or boat it's just if you're walking it's going to take way longer and you're usually going to get beat um it kind of just depends but we would prefer a boat and we do use boats and have boats it's just we kind of built our game so long on walking we just have a lot of good spots like that Mm. I got you. And, but yeah, the boats are definitely the way to go, especially in my motor. You can just like pull right in the hole and step out. It's yeah. great. So are you, are you scouting by boat? Cause if it's that far back in there, obviously it didn't, it doesn't seem like you could scout from a road or something like you can, you're like actually taking your boat out there to scout and then you walk in or how are you doing that? Man in Arkansas on public ground anyway, most public ground, um, there really isn't any scouting. Uh, especially now just in the past few years they really changed the rules to where you can only be in there you know during hunting time basically so it's like you basically got to burn a day but what we do a lot is we have these places we've hunted just about everywhere so we know kind of like where we can go Uh 
to see what's going on. Like we'll pick, we'll have these certain spots that are good vantage points and we're hunting too, but we're really just looking to see what's going on. And then the next few days we'll like adjust. Um, that's okay. kind of how we do our scouting. So but, basically you're you know, hunting and you're scouting at the same time. And then the next day you can come back to that spot or whatever. Yeah. And these gotcha. spots are usually good spots too. We sometimes kill them there. If we're going someplace completely new, we will, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of scouting like preseason. We'll either deer hunt or squirrel hunt or something just to kind of get the lay of the land, uh, kind of get the terrain down if we've never been there in our lives and just kind of see uh, what it looks like then. And then we'll come in and burn the first day and not even really hunt, just like walk around, watch, see what other hunters are doing, see what the ducks are doing, and then really set up for that day two, day three. Very rarely do we ever walk into a brand new spot and just – I mean, you know how it is. You got to get just super lucky or super mm-hmm. bust to have it go down the first time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that does suck about Arkansas, though. I wish we could somehow scout better, but it's just, uh, it's just really no way to do it. Yeah. Because well, back when, before they changed that, there would just be 30, 40 boats out there riding around, you know, running everything up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, scouting in the afternoons and stuff like that. So they is that they just shuttle. your area, or is that the whole state of Arkansas? That's the whole state of Arkansas oh, public ground. Okay. Like is Louisiana like public. that too? I don't know. I've never hunted Louisiana, so I'm not sure. I don't think that they have the problems, you know, as far as hunter numbers as we do. Yeah. Um, like you know, there's some hunting like public grounds like very few that are not like that because there's all different types we have like state land corps of engineer land federal land and they all kind of got their own rules to them you know gotcha gotcha so when's your season start uh november 18th or something like that somewhere in there that's late man you gotta wait for a while (laughs) yeah it sucks man i hate it but i mean when does it end how i mean how many days is your season typically do you have a split season or is it Straight through. It's a sixty. It's a sixty day split season. Split season. So okay. we'll uh, we'll take like a ten day break in December, and then like a two day break on around Christmas, hmm. and it ends the very last day in January. Hmm. So it's kind of short, but it's kind of good because we're hoping to start going to like North Dakota and Oklahoma and stuff because they open up way earlier than we do so. okay so you guys are traveling then out of state and we're just now starting to hopefully okay. uh oh so you're, glenn, gonna, you're gonna go to the dakotas this year we're hoping to glenn farms so oh, like nice. harvest can just get all out of whack like you know you, there's just no way to time that if it's raining every day it's going to be super delayed so yeah. we're, we're hoping to but if it it may not work out um just kind of freelance yeah. it yeah, definitely. That's that's what we like to do yeah. just for our channel. Right, yeah. We don't like to, you know, use Instagram or stuff to talk to people because the average guy just can't do that. So we like to just go off maps and, and what anybody else would, you know. Right, yeah. That I, I was talking to Travis when we were in Nebraska, and I was like, man, I, wanna, I think next year I might do that is just go up there. Either go up there and freelance um, early goose or – possibly just go there for duck season when it's not open here. Cause I know they open for us. Something like that. Do something different next year, you know? Sure. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. 
yeah, I want to go there too. I wanted to do early goose in North Dakota. They start in like August 15th or something like yeah, that. That'd crazy. be awesome. That was, no kidding. <laughs> and there's so many geese there, man. I don't know how oh, they I are know. with permission and stuff and getting that, but you know, and I don't know what their public land looks like. I haven't really looked on Onyx or nothing, but yeah, I've heard a lot yeah, of people you say you can Onyx be a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I mean a lot more so when we go out of state and we don't know where at, but yeah, we, we use it, I would say quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's too. It was a game changer for us oh, man, as far yeah. as learning new places. Well, it's just nice knowing, okay, I know I'm on public land. You know what I mean? I don't like that. Okay. Where's the borderline? Where's the tree <laughs> that's yeah private and this side's, you know, public. yeah, yeah. We use it all the time. It was just, it's a great all in one deal. It is, yeah. It is. Sure. But yeah, um, are y'all planning on planning any more trips before y'all's opens? Um, not before. No, we'll we'll uh, wait for ours, and then um, I'm we'll be going to Washington, and then we'll be uh, we'll be going. I'll be I will personally be going for the Flyways Collective deal in uh, Kansas later in the year. So and that's here. What's that? <laughs> hey, yes, and I told I told uh, Thomas I go if I can squeeze that in somehow. Uh, I really want to, honestly, I do. Just if because my schedule is perfect for it. It's the finances. If I can make it happen really, really cheap, I think I could convince my wife to let me go one more time. <laughs> she was already she was already like giving me a hard time about three trips besides all the duck hunting I do around here. But well, we'd love to have y'all, man. Uh, can't promise that we would you know deliver any ducks but <laughs> well that's we never a guarantee. that's never a guarantee <laughs> and that's just like we yeah. went to early till it wasn't no incredible like last year it was incredible like limits you know we could we could have limited in like 20 minutes last year but we waited for those decoy shots and all that stuff and this year was slower travis got to go he's never been to nebraska i just enjoyed that i enjoyed that trip it was super short but it was just fun and like you said, it's never it's it's never about the limits. It's about the journey going there. The now, experience. I, experience. I, yeah. The journey itself is the best part of it because the, the crazy things happen. But it's like, that being said, me and Thomas said, we don't want to sit there and be skunked for like three weeks. I mean, you obviously want to kill ducks or you wouldn't be going out there. But it's not yeah. like, oh, man, I'm so mad I only shot four instead of seven. You know, it's like that's never been yeah. our attitude. Because, I mean, one bird, one bird can make it epic you know like a pin or just a one bluing or whatever we can the backstory the backstory of it so yeah and i think what i think was cool about nebraska i could say hey yeah i've shot ducks in nebraska right you know it uh -huh. didn't have to i didn't have to limit right but just to be in there and experience it seeing the country um that that was rewarding for me and just trying to soak up just every minute mm -hmm. it was was, sure, was enjoyable yeah, that, i enjoyed it that was an awesome looking spot it look cool. It's cool. They're, yeah. Like I said, I don't know how much math. Do not have early these. teal there? No. No. Uh -uh. No. I didn't know well, that. I don't really know anywhere on the, does anywhere on this West Coast have any type of, I mean, we have an early goose in October, early October, but I don't think no West Coast. I don't know Coast, what's the closest. I think it's central, the central flag. Yeah, like the closest. Like the teal, Texas, yeah. and I don't, no, Washington, yeah. all them, they don't have none of that. Not that I know of. Yeah, so. Well, mm -hmm. hey, Give us one crazy story, maybe one of your craziest stories, and then we'll end this podcast and let you go. 
I know I kind of put you on the spot. I usually try to warn everybody. Something maybe crazy unexpected story, or something crazy. It's, it's hard to pull those out of the bag. Maybe a special bird that you didn't expect. A hybrid. <laughs> a high point. Man. Quadruple landed. <laughs> we, we usually don't have too much crazy stuff. But, I mean, I guess, like, it wasn't super crazy. But the first thing that comes to mind was last year. Like, <laughs> we were off way deep in this WMA or this pu- public ground. And Glenn just got some kind of chest pains started happening to him. <laughs> like I, I'm just like thinking the worst, you know, he's having a heart attack. It's at a like big 20, boy to so. carry out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. Much like, that how just, big is he? Uh, I mean, he's not super big. He's like, I don't know, five, 10, oh, really? two, 15, something like that. Oh, he looks, um, how tall, how tall are you? Cause I, I I'm the reason I'm asking, I know it sounds weird because when I watch people on YouTube channel, I was telling Travis on the way there, all the dudes of the Flyways Collective are big dudes. Like, not the, like, tall. I mean, like, they're, I mean, it's not real tall, but they're, like, all, like, 6'3". Like, Jordan from Duck Gun, he's, like, 6'2". And I'm, like, what? I'm, like, yeah, in yeah. the videos, they all look shorter. I don't know. It's just a perception thing. So, I'm, like, okay. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I'm only like five nine, so I'd be like a, a little midget among those guys. Yeah, I was hey, a short. Hey, you'd fit it with me, man. I'm, I'm only five nine, <laughs> but I, I probably outweigh you by seventy five pounds. Matt, Matt, my very sportsman's the shortest, and then I'm the next shortest, and everyone else is like Tom's is not my brother's height. It's like, man, a bunch of corn fed <laughs> yeah. boys over here. <laughs> yeah, camera definitely plays the tricks but but yeah man i was i was worried about him uh how i was gonna get him out of there and if he was gonna make it but while he was like in the worst pain of his life these like thousands of ducks are just pouring in this hole <laughs> like a, like 200 yards from us and you know moral of the story we walked out with our limit instead of him <laughs> you know, <hurt>. so, <laughs> hey you know so what that's probably out. what saved his life is seeing all those green heads <laughs> drop in man. yeah he had a reason yeah. to live yeah. got the heart back going <laughs> oh, it like, was just like a jolt of you know like the, you know, the paddles oh, i'm awake i'm alive yeah, that, that's like we we got it all on camera too, man. It was a it was a crazy hunt. It it, it was one of those places we'd never been in our lives, and just happened to stumble upon a raft of thousands of mallards, and <laughs> it just worked out, you know. Man, no kidding! <laughs> thousands of mallards—that's like music to the ears. That is, and that makes that gives my heart <laughs> flutters. I, I definitely think I could find a way out there somehow. Some. <laughs> the, the Lord will bless us. We'll pray. We'll pray. Start praying right now, and by the time. December rolls around. Yeah. For sure, man. I definitely <laughs> want to get definitely want to get y'all out here, man. It would just uh, be cool be content and video, even if you didn't see that many birds. It's just the fact of being in the timber would just be cool. I just want to blow a duck call in the timber and hear the yeah. echo. Yeah, you if know? you if you come for you know enough time, I'm sure we could get on them. That's kind of the thing. You got to kind of spend a few days figuring them out, and then you may get on them one out of you know three or four. Yeah, but it usually the longer you can kind of stay and put towards getting on them you mm-hmm. know obviously the better your chances does your job allow you to hunt every day of the season pretty much yeah i That's specifically cool. pick my job for that okay. <laughs> what do you, so what do you do <laughs> um uh, i started a lawn care and landscaping business oh, so that's perfect like it's out of season yeah it was either that or farm so glenn went the farming route and i went the lawn care route <laughs> nice uh, that's kinda... a very smart man there that's so fun you, you're we were just talking to joel from uh 
uh, from Surviving Duck Season, and he he was talking about how he just we're all talking about how we base things around duck hunting. It's just like everything we do involves okay, this is how I got to make this work, you know. Yeah, you pick a, a career that does that. <laughs> yeah, my my wife just doesn't doesn't understand like how we're no. so addicted to it. They don't like every decision I've ever made in my life somehow revolved <laughs> around getting more time to duck hunt. Like yeah. when I was in college, like I was in college for like three years, and I don't think I went a single day when duck season. Was <laughs> and look where you are but today. Obviously, obviously, I'm a dropout. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, yeah. give us your uh, social media. Uh, let us know where everybody can find you. Yeah, sure, man. So just on YouTube, Chasing Green, and then on Instagram, at underscore Chasing Green underscore. And that's pretty much the only two things we're doing. So Perfect. check us out. Uh, like I said, we got a lot of public ground duck hunting stuff, and we do some crappie fishing stuff too when it's not duck season, bass fishing. So. We try to keep the the content coming when we can. You want to know something funny? That's the first video I ever seen. It somehow it popped up in my recommended, and I was like, "What in the world? These guys got two hundred and three hundred thousand views on a crappie fishing video." And then I seen. Then that's when I started seeing your duck hunting stuff. So that's kind of funny. That's where I actually first seen your your channel. Yeah, that video blew up. We smashed them that day. Uh, that that was awesome. <laughs> that was like right when duck season went out. We were like dead, pretty much walking zombies. Yeah, because we've been duck hunting. But yeah, the crappie were on that day. Wow. Well, thanks for you, coming on. What's that? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, man. Oh no, go ahead. It's I was gonna just end the podcast. If you got something else though. No, I was just gonna ask if y'all got into that. If y'all were into. I I you know, bass fish a lot. I did. I haven't really lot the last probably nine months or so, but I had a boat for three years and went pretty heavy. But no, I never. I've always wanted to someone to take me crappie fishing. But um, Josh, one of our friends, he does it a little bit. But I wouldn't say anybody that's really really good at it. That hardcore, like yeah. hardcore nothing, crappie nothing, fishing. Yeah, no. But I wanted to learn how to do it because I felt completely in the dark about it. They're good eating. I know that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they're great eating, man. Yeah, you're in the land of the giants, man. I wish I could do some bass fishing out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've, we <laughs> you fish a lot the Delta? Of, you know what? I've fished it probably three or four times. It's a, it's a crazy – it's tricky. It's hard. So I've fished out there three or four times with some friends and seen some monsters and, and tried to fish on – you know, get some. We uh, My friends caught – I have a lot of friends that bass fish a lot, and they've caught some monsters. They've got them hanging on their walls, you know, 8-pounder, 10-pounder. Bobby Riggs caught a 15-pounder. He's got that. Yeah, Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's my second love, so I've always wanted to get out there in Texas and try to get a double digit. I still didn't break that. You you always got the open invitation to come out here. I'll have to – my friend's got a boat, and we'll – I'll just – he's always looking for a reason to go out, so – awesome anyways all right guys well thanks for listening to this this podcast check out jake's channel and glenn's channel chasing green you guys won't be disappointed if you want if you love duck hunting you want to see some stuff in the denver trust me it'll get your blood boiling for the season guys a lot of you guys are already hunting good luck out there in the field and uh, we'll see you on the next episode <laughs>